Shelby and Matt. Hello, Shelby. Hello. How are you? Good. You know, I I did some important work this weekend. Um, well, really over the course of the last week, but um, oh. I realized I haven't ever like logged movies in Letterboxd. Like I just use it to basically do our rankings. Mm-hmm. And so I never hit like watch or save these movies. And then I saw this TikTok where this girl was doing the like movie bracket and she's like, I know I can do this because I've seen a lot of movies. Like my litter box says I've seen 890 movies. And I like saw that and I was like, that doesn't seem like a lot. No. So it became my mission to catalog every single movie I've ever seen in my entire life. 1800. Oh. My sister saw me doing this and she's like going through the movies with me. She's like, you've seen a lot of bad movies. <laughs> Wait, how did you how did you track all of these? What was your meth- method? Okay, so first, obviously, we, we've we done a lot of them from the last five years. So every movie yes. I've seen over the last five years, I've been able to add. And then I would do basically like genres I could think of, like every Marvel movie, every franchise movie. And then I'd go by decades, right? Because letterbox has so many lists available that you can mm-hmm. just like swipe through and then i would write down like people i know i like grew up with a lot like every sandra bullock movie i've seen and like every you know whatever it was and they got more and more niche as the as the week went on <laughs> and i think like the other day what i remembered suddenly like having seen this really bad like shirley temple doc a biopic and so then you click on that movie and you go to lists that have that movie in it. And then I found a list of like movies that are so bad but are also underrated or something, you know. And I had a lot of movies on that list. <laughs> so I just wanted to bring that up because I know you had tracked all your movies. and. Yes. I just want the record to show that I have seen more and I'm more accomplished than you. So. Than me? How many have I seen? You've only seen like 1,100. According to? According to Letterboxd. Oh, but Letterboxd doesn't have all my movies in it. Okay. Okay. So, th- so, so I did the same thing like <laughs> maybe five or six years ago. But what I did was I went – so on Wikipedia, there's a page for every year. And oh, all of yeah. the movies that came out that year. So I just started in, I don't know, whatever that was, like 2017, and just went back at, through <laughs> like every year's Wikipedia page and like made a list of all the movies I've seen. Oh my goodness. So, and then manually saved that somewhere? Well, no. So that's just on a Word doc or a oh, Google shoot. doc that I have that I update on my computer. The. I, however, also started tracking the movies I had seen on. IMDb 
Yeah. And so everything I've seen since like, I don't know, maybe 2016 is on there, like new movies, old movies, whatever. And then sometimes if things pop up, I'll just that I've seen before, I'll just add them. So then when <laughs> I moved my movies over to so when I figured out how to move stuff from IMDb to Letterboxd, I moved all of those over, but I've hmm. never gone back and put in all of the old stuff. So I think we're probably around the sim- a similar yeah, yeah, that makes sense. number then because, yeah, all of like the older stuff isn't on there. But obviously I've seen way more stuff in like the last 10 years I than I have in prior years. So I was going to say I felt like I had a head start, but not that much of a head start. But what inspired you to manually do that in 2015 or whenever? Um, just boredom, just you're at LGR and you're just like, "Hmm, nothing. No, yes. I definitely did it while I was at work at LGR. That was like a during the work day task. (laughs) Um, I don't know why I, I think I was like listening to podcasts or something and Mm. they were talking about like a list of movies of every movie they'd seen. Or maybe it was for when, when I did that thing where I was like trying to figure out what the best 100 movies I'd ever watched was that I like made the big list. And then I think that, I think that's when I did it. I Mm. think I wanted to know like, okay, what have I seen? Like, what are my favorite movies? And so I just made that list first um, and then worked off of it. But Okay, yeah. well, send me that list, and I'll see if I left any off, too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's long. Well, because then, because it goes all the way back to, like, 1924 or whatever, like, when the right. first movie that I have seen it is. But it's the, like, a lot less movies came out every year back in, like, the yeah, yeah. 90s and whatever. And then once I got to, like, the 50s or I knew that the only things I had seen were like big movies. So I sort of just looked at the ones that had like made the most money or whatever. Yeah. Cause I was like, I wasn't watching like B movies from 1942. <laughs> Amazing. Love that for us. One day we'll have to rank them all. <laughs> yeah. oh, dear. The ring of every movie I've ever seen. Yeah. I could not do it. <clears throat> but that was an important update in my life. And I wanted to share that. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. That's a big news. I, I, I'm glad that you decided to do that on the week that your sister was in town. Yeah. Well, she's the one who t- showed me like how to easily add things to Letterbox. Not that I'm like a dumb millennial, but I just never like thought I never cared. But she's like, oh, it's like Tinder. You just swipe through things. And so she showed me like the carousel feature. And then I just I, I just really felt motivated by that. Um humble brag TikTok and I was like if she's gonna go out there being like look at me I'm so cool I watched 800 movies then I want to know like where I'm at in the you know the power structure the the totem pole of there are like diff like vastly different levels of people who think that they've watched <laughs> a lot of movies because yeah. because occasionally people will introduce me to their friends and say things like oh Matt you'll really like this person because they like love movies and then I'll be talking to them and it's like okay like this is great but we are on like vastly different playing fields here as far as like what we have watched you know they'll be like I've seen three of the best picture nominees this year and you're like (laughs) I've seen every Oscar nominated film for like the past seven years so you know it's like we're we're like I love everybody who loves movies in any capacity but there are different groups of us. And there's people who are at a level above us as well. You know, oh, like yeah, yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. people who are, uh, you know, at an insane level. And I'm not really a rewatcher. And there are like, you know, 
people See, that's who- what's shocking to me is because even as I was doing this list and I was like, wow, 1,800 movies is a lot of movies over 30 years. And like really you take out your first like six years of life or whatever. But, right. But I've rewatched a lot of movies. <laughs> I was like, even movies that I was like, this is bad. I actively remember like watching multiple times, you know? And I don't know where the time goes. I don't know how I do it. Like I... I can't fathom like how I'm seeing so many new ones, but also rewatching all these old ones and not just like once, but like multiple times, you know, like I I just rewatched the core. Like that's a horrible movie, but I just threw it on and I rewatched it. I feel like that is the phenomenon that I don't quite understand. Like (laughs) the, um, like I am not a like watch something in the background kind of a person. Yeah. Like I feel like it e- like I either am watching it or I'm not watching it kind of. So like people will be like, "Oh yeah, like I've watched the entirety of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills four times because I just like throw it on while I'm working during the day." And it's like yeah, if I that was that. on the television while I was working, I would either be watching it or and not working or working and not watching it. And like <laughs> yeah. where I feel like some people for whatever reason they're like better at toggling between Mm -hmm. those things Mm -hmm. and also i find stuff like if i know exactly what's going to happen in the movie i it's sort of boring to me unless it's something that has like a lot of dancing or singing or comedy or something like those types of things i'll watch plot holes like Tenet, then you're like game. <laughs> well, ten, yeah. Well, Tenet, I watched a second time because I didn't like fully get it. Like those kind of movies. I'll watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if I was to watch Tenet like a third time, sort of like yeah. knowing what it, I think I'd be less into it. Well, maybe Tenet's a bad example, but like Tar. You know, there's, yeah. Maybe those more like thoughtful, like there's yes. layers to it. I liked watching that. But like, like for example, like Dungeons and Dragons, <clears throat> the whatever right. movie that we watched. Like watching it one time, fine. If I watched that again now, I would be so bored and <laughs> so annoyed to have to sit through it. Now in like 10 years when I f- almost completely forgot what happened in it, I could watch it again and be like, oh, this is great. I remember loving this before and it's still interesting to me. But there's even movies that I've really, really liked that I've gone back and watched, you know, like a little bit later. And I feel like I like them a lot less the second time. Like it doesn't sort of matter how much I liked it the first time. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, no, I'm a huge rewatcher, but also not like a double. I can't like I don't just throw something on in the background. Like, yeah, sometimes I'll just get on my phone more than I would during a first watch, but. It's not like I'm cleaning the house and it's just playing in another room, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But speaking of your, you know, movie prowess, um, you cursed us all last week, um, spoke this into existence, we literally were. the day after our episode aired. <laughs> it was announced that Twilight, a spinoff or a TV series, was in the works. Yes. <laughs> That was wild. I had I did I did not know anything about that when I said it. Are you sure you're not involved? You're not the. You're I not. will be playing the role of uh, the uh, Jacob Black's father in yeah. the <laughs> upcoming TV version. Yeah. Um, are we excited about this? It's very 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 early development. I don't know why they announce these things so early, but basically, there's a writer attached. Um, but it's not clear if it's going to be a specific take on Twilight, if it's going to be a remake, if it's going to be a spinoff. Um, 
Stephanie Meyer is supposedly going to be involved, but that's really all we know so far. It doesn't have, it's not attached to any network. It's not like, it's not anything yet. I don't even know how it's news, but there it is. I mean, I kind of feel like that the Twilight movies are the best adaption of those that we're going to get. Like, yeah. (laughs) I mean, you can say that you don't like the performances in it, but I do think that like Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart are two of like the greatest actors of their generation, I think. And the performances there are not necessarily great, but I'm kind of like for the subject, for the material that they're working off of, I think the movies are actually like pretty good. And like the soundtracks are great. There's some iconic scenes in it. Like, well, yeah, yeah, it's just like camp at this point. Like it's like a cult classic that it's hard to imagine a show a show that takes the books more seriously or more silly that does it as good as like yeah. that sweet spot that the Twilight movies Right. Because I feel like those are the two directions you would have to go in. I could easily see them doing some sort of spinoff though that was like, yeah. you know, the Volturi or, you know, I don't know, a sequel or, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I think that there's <laughs> definitely room within that world to build something out but absolutely horrifying <laughs> you know i'm it's happening they can get back bring back dakota fanning yeah so if anyone wants something else to be rebooted um just tell matt to bring it up in the podcast and uh, news will break shortly thereafter yeah i mean what do, what do we i would love um an american girl doll uh reboot oh no. what do you want yeah no that would what be other great. book series can i speak into existence for you ready player two <laughs> that book was terrible i think um i would want uglies but that's already coming out it's like a ya series oh yeah and um, I feel like everything's been done or has already been rebooted, you know? Speaking of bad sequels, like, I probably should bring this up in Love It or Hate It, but I have something else I want to talk about there. But I finally read the sequel to Less, the the book, the Pulitzer Prize winning book that I really loved a couple of years ago. Yeah. Called Less is Lost is the new one. And the first yeah. one is about um, a writer who's like ex-boyfriend is getting in, or is getting married and in order to sort of like avoid going to the wedding or feeling things about that he decides he's going to accept basically like every strange offer that he's got to travel around the world and do these different gigs and it's a comedy about like you know kind of the things that he accidentally gets up to is this bumbling person who's you know in Europe and Asia and Mexico taking these different um assignments so the the second book is similar, only he's kind of traveling around America and he has to get enough money because the house that he's been living in that he thought was he owned, it turns out like that his, you know, the person who had left it to him, it wasn't actually like his land. And so anyways, he has to like raise a bunch of money within a couple of weeks so he can buy this house. So it's a similar conceit, but it just like doesn't... Like the the lightning did not strike twice, and <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just kind of like, th- this did not need to happen. And I feel like there's so many books like this, yes. these sort of like literary authors. Like I was thinking about the sequel to Call Me by Your Name or the Ready Player One sequel, and it's like, if if a book is a one off and it's not meant to be a series, I think it's really hard to to 
get a second thing that works as well in that same way in a book format. Like, I think it's hard in movies, but, like, movies are a little bit more gimmicky based, and so I think it's easier to do that. But with books, it's hard, and I'm just like, I don't know why author. I mean, authors keep doing this to make money, but it's like mm-hmm. the, the sequels usually are not nearly as good, and then I feel like it's sort of like it doesn't actually help their career as much as they think it's going to. Yeah, it's absolutely true. I'm there's no <laughs> nothing more to add. It's it's a fact. I think people need to embrace the one offs at this point. They just need to accept their one hit wonders or whatever it is and just let it be. Yeah. Um. Mm. So what other news caught your attention this week? Well, did we talk about, um, about the Jonathan Majors stuff last week? Um, no, we had talked about it when it was first, when the, he was first arrested. Yes. We haven't revisited it because it makes me so sad. Yeah. It's, and disgusted. It's and... real bleak. Yeah. Because he, his publicity, per- so I guess to backtrack for those who maybe didn't listen to that episode or can't remember, he was arrested. Um, initially, the details were pretty murky. They're still kind of murky. There was some sort of altercation between him and his girlfriend in the back of a taxi cab. Um, she had to go to the hospital, had some like uh, bruises and scratches and things. And it was unclear as if they were fighting or if she was having some sort of like panic attack or something and he was helping her um he was arrested but then his publicist came out and said no he didn't do anything he was uh, you know going to be completely exonerated we have these text messages that are going to and and video of the of the cab that's going to prove everything's fine um and i don't know i was sort like when the story broke i feel like the sort of extremeness with which the PR people for Jonathan Majors were like, this is like, this is ridiculous. Like this is going to be cleared up in no time. I was sort of like, okay, like maybe, maybe that is the case. But as time has gone on, they did release like one picture of a text exchange that didn't really clear anything up or help him in any way. And then in the past couple of weeks, he's been dropped by, several brand endorsements, his management team dropped Mm -hmm. him, a couple of different movies that he was working on dropped him. Um, His PR team dropped him. Yeah, we haven't heard anything from Marvel yet. Um, But obviously that is, so. I mean, that's sort of a massive thing to sort out because he's supposed to be the big bad of this franchise and they're you know, I, I can imagine working through various contingency plans at the moment. Um, but yeah, uh, just. Yeah. And multiple other women have come forward to work with the DA or whatever. Um, Oh yes. I forgot about that. So it's not looking good and it's very, it's very sad the way the industry protects abusers and like you know, there was obviously rumors and whispers or people had some knowledge of this or whatever, and that he's been able to get so far without being, you know, called out for this. And then like just the way 
his lawyers were like, see, this <laughs> this text exchange shows that it was the girl's far- fault. And it's just the girl being like, I'm so sorry. Like, please forgive me. Like, please. I, I told him it was all my fault. I told him I it was my fault for like touching your phone. Like, I don't even want them to press charges. And it's like, girl, that's like textbook, like domestic abuse, like yes. mentality. And it's just, it's wild how yeah, they came out so hot, released those texts as if it was a gotcha. And then as soon as it was like, oh, that didn't work out, it's just silence and this quiet dropping of his team. And, you know, it's bad when your own PR team, which is meant to handle these sort of scandals, is like, mm, I don't think this is going to work out. <laughs> yeah. Well, so apparently like his lawyer's husband is now working as the PR. Oh, wow. For yeah. So it's, yeah, not not great it's it's also um it's interesting because yeah i feel like this past year was so big for him he had a bunch of movies that did really well obviously got really good reviews coming out of creed he has this marvel thing going on he's in this bodybuilder movie that was at sundance called magazine dreams that was supposed that he's supposed to be incredible in and that they were saving for the fall to push for an oscars campaign so it's really like eh? yeah well, Annie had all, all his, like, cam- campaigns and, like, you know, it's all him, like, like, there was that whole scandal of him wearing pink on a magazine cover and all the, like, heterosexual men were like, let men be yeah. men. <laughs> and it's interesting that there's this idea of, like, the feminization and, like, wow, so liberal, so open-minded, so, like, he would ne- he doesn't look like the kind of guy who would do this, you know, and it's just, like, I think a good reminder that uh just because you know he there's a there's not a real well way to tell who's violent or who's abusive or who's mentally you know like whatever and it yeah. just there's not a type to look out for and it's really just anywhere so especially when sad. everything about a person about a celebrity is coming through however many layers of yeah. pr and you know yeah. managers and con- image consultants and such yeah, I know. It's such a bummer because, you know, I was <laughs> a big fan of all his work. But I know. It's sad. <sighs> Men, you know. <laughs> Men, the worst. <laughs> Men. Um, in lighter news, um, Zendaya appeared at Coachella, which you were there, right? You went to Coachella yes, this year. I was. I was at Coachella <laughs> this year. I thought it would be a funny joke. And I thought that everybody would obviously recognize that I was joking when I posted a picture of at an Ally and AJ concert in New York and tagged it Coachella. And everyone was, <laughs> and I had so many responses that were like, what? You're there? That's crazy. I'm jealous. Did you see this person? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you guys, like, I was <laughs> like, never I want you to explain what's the joke. <laughs> that you're at Coachella or that Ally and AJ would perform at Coachella or you just thought, you just thought everyone knew where you were at that exact moment, so they'd know it wasn't actually Coachella. Well, I like. I guess I. Ha- I feel like everybody who's at Coachella posts like nine million things there, right? right. And I was like obvious. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I've posted things, yeah, no, in New was, York yeah. recently, and <laughs> then also, yeah, it was like an indoor Alley and AJ concert. Like, I don't know. I didn't. I just. I, I guess I wasn't thinking about it that hard, but I was sort of like, oh, like, I, yeah, everybody will get 
that this isn't Allie or that this is not Coachella. Yeah. That this is much lamer than that. And then, <laughs> no, everybody apparently thought that I was very cool. So Yeah. Well, I'm sure Allie and AJ were good, right? Oh, yeah. They were incredible. Loved them. Yeah. Did they play potential breakup song? They did. They always play potential breakup song. It's a bop. Um, they know they also played like a a new version of like whoa that they were working on because oh, they were like oh we haven't played this in a couple of years but we like wanted to play it again but like rework it and it was really good and i'm like when are you guys releasing this because i need this new version yeah. of the song um are yeah. you a zendaya music fan no was she performing there she made a surprise appearance with um labyrinth who was performing there and i oh. guess she because she had that one big hit. I'm trying to remember what it is called. Well, she has the songs from Euphoria. Was no, she no. performing she one had of a those? Pop, she had a pop era. You didn't know this? Well, I'm like, yes, on her like Disney Channel days or whatever, I guess. Yeah, but she had like an album or a single at least. Huh. Um, and you'd like it. It's a good song. It's um, Replay. You know who wasn't at Coachella, though? The second week it was Frank Ocean. Who was supposed oh, to be headlining yeah. and then dropped out. Yeah. Has Taylor Swift ever done Coachella? No. Her, Do you, I don't think she will. You don't think so? I don't know. I think it'd be hard because she has crazy fans. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> like, I'm, I mean, I know Beyonce did it and Beyonce's huge. So it's like, it's not like Taylor Swift's too big, but it's like a different kind of mania i think at this point at least like maybe a few years ago i think that also the hard part is like beyonce fans are the type of people who you could sort of see being at coachella anyways yeah where exactly. taylor swift would bring in <laughs> thousands <laughs> of people who have never been to coachella have no business being at coachella and all of the coachella yeah. people i think would be just like so annoyed out of their mind yeah. to have to be dealing with like all of these, you know, random sort of tweens. Well, that's dismissive of the age range that Taylor draws. But yes, yeah, I know, I know she point. does have old fans. I, <laughs> yeah. I have seen your photos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it, I mean, it's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, why do people do Coachella? Because Beyonce, it was a big comeback moment in a way, right? It was like, a statement I mean, performance. I think, I think that headlining Coachella. I mean, people like random people do Coachella for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. I think that headlining Coachella is a very big deal. Yeah. In a way that's similar to like a Super Bowl halftime show energy because there's, you know, only one person who gets it a year. It's a big honor to be asked. You get to put together this big set that plays twice. Um, You know, I don't think at, most people are not doing what Beyonce did with that. It's right. usually more of just a regular show than something that's that much of a spectacle. It's but... usually Frank Ocean coming in, not singing, and then dipping out the second. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, because sometimes, like, Lady Gaga has done it, but then also, yeah, like, the Foo Fighters or whoever, yeah. like, get those spots too. So it's not all, it's not always, like, pop people. But yeah. I feel like if, like, I'm, I mean, Taylor Swift has probably been asked at some point to do it. Um, or, you know, they floated it by her or whatever. I don't know the, what the process is, but, um. Taylor Swift is a great business dis maker decision. 
She's a great uh she has a great business mind. I don't know if you heard, but she's the only celebrity on planet Earth who said no to a crypto deal. So what? You didn't hear this? No, what is so, this? So FTX or whatever is that crypto site that's being sued for I don't know the legality of it, but like people are suing them for the celebrity endorsements that they felt were um kind of like misleading and um you know and it and it and it got all these people to sign up for crypto and then crypto crashed and they should have done their due diligence better. Okay. And so in the opening remarks, the lawyer was like, blah, 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 blah. All these celebrities just sign on without knowing. And the, you know, I went through hundreds and thousands of pages of like all this sort of background stuff. And the only person to ever ask a question about it was Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift asked, are these even like blah, blah, blah? <laughs> it's like, it's a story that's out of my wheelhouse. I do not understand nor care about the language around the business of crypto. Um, but it was this big news story because Taylor Swift was quoted as asking the one pertinent question on like FTX's backhand business dealings and calling them out on what ended up being the, the um, you know, the, 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 fall, the fall down of them. I'm glad that, that these people are even like engaging, you know? Well, according I mean, to her lawyer under deal. oath, according to the lawyer under oath, Taylor Swift asked the question, didn't no, sign I mean, the $100 million sure sponsorship deal and walked away looking better than everyone. So, Oh, so so it was um, like worth hundreds of thousands of dollars to sponsor and that's why she was involved with it. I was like, she must get Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it was like a $100 million sponsorship deal that they were trying oh, to pitch okay. to her. And gotcha. so she asked the question, instead of signing it right away, like all these other celebrities did, you know, whatever, I don't know who did it, but instead of doing that, she was like, wait, is this actually like blah, blah, blah? And when they couldn't answer, uh, truthfully, she's like, peace out and didn't take the money. Because <laughs> I'm like, has, been, Queen has Beyonce been doing crypto deals? I'm like. No, I just meant, yeah. I thought you would know the headline. No, because sorry, I did not. she's the only celebrity who that lawyer said asked the question. So <laughs> no, what I'm trying to think of the of the Taylor Swift stories that I've heard this week. We talked last week about the about the people waiting in line overnight for yeah, the ugly yeah. <laughs> sweatshirt, didn't we? Um, yeah. yeah, I don't. It was know. a great I, show, though. She did some great performances in Houston. Um, oh yeah, okay. I have a question about this. So oh, okay. Ashley's outfit. Yes. She was like the ringleader or whatever. Yeah. Where did she get that? That's a custom made. <laughs> like how and who and how much money? I think does she it cost? found like an Etsy like costume designer, right? Who does custom like stuff. And so she, she like, just outsourced it. And she said, Hey, I want the Taylor Swift thing, and this costume designer made it for her. Yeah, yeah. That's how she did the one in Vegas too, the reputation like um bodysuit yeah I, I guess the bodysuit just was like more normal yeah. looking or whatever <laughs> so wait how many of these no, she does she have all. those are the only two she got custom i think i don't want to be spreading misinformation but i'm pretty i'm 99 positive that those are the two could we get a ballpark of like what that costs oh i have no idea how much do we think like hundreds a thousand dollars no not thousands that's ridiculous it's just like someone who has the time and the skill to like so 
a costume. Well, but I'm telling you, like, drag costumes are, like, in the thousands of dollars sometimes. Well, yeah, but those seem more, like, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't, I do not think it's the thousands. Okay. I think maybe, like, a, a couple, couple hundred, hundred you okay. know. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's it's the work of a person and, you know, <laughs> she's supporting small businesses. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We, we got to support the small it. businesses. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it was fun. Um, I didn't get freaking press passes, but I keep trying. So one day you'll get to go. <laughs> mm. Mm. You know, I, I, I could, yeah. If we do you have the co- press contact information, cause I could be emailing about the New York show, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I emailed the supposed PR email as well as the different venues Um, The venues are the ones that have responded to me and said, let me see, and then ghost me. (laughs) Ah, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think it's truly just a very competitive place. Like, the tickets are reselling day of for like $700 for nosebleeds, like $4,000 for floor seats, and the stadiums are full. Like, it's, it's wild, just the sheer amount of people who are willing to spend that much and go to a show like it's it's just, just giving me hope for my beyonce tickets that yeah I, yeah I you to gotta you point. gotta keep that <laughs> keep that in mind once the tour starts i'm sure people will be like driven to desperate to get yeah. anything so that's that's my thought i'm like once we start seeing this on social media and her yeah. european leg is first so i'm oh, like yeah. that gives me like a m- couple months to hopefully get people uh and yeah. reinvigorated <laughs> yeah exactly i think that's what happened with taylor because the first weekend like it was sold out but there were a lot of cheap t- tickets like day of that the venue released immediately um and so a lot of swifties thought oh okay i'm just gonna go the day of and like see what i can find on StubHub, see if i get a link like whatever but after that first weekend it was just like boom sold out like it's just absolutely wild to watch the prices on on resale sites and yeah wow i know wow Uh, any more news or should we get into love it or hate it let's get into love it or hate it okay do you want me to go first do you want to go first um you can go first okay i have a love it cute i feel like i have not been watching that much tv as of late (laughs) just because i get sort of i don't know i I've been rewatching like, or I've been watching the old Drag Race seasons, and I'm watching Succession. But otherwise, it's like I just, for whatever reason, don't have that much energy to watch TV. Like I haven't even watched any of the season of Survivor, which is wild to me. Um, but I recently stumbled upon this show called Jury Duty. Yeah, that <laughs> is on Freebie, which is like the Amazon. Um, like free service that has ads. And it is one of the funniest things I have seen in a long time. It's a comedy. So it's only like 20 minute episodes and there's only eight of them, which is, I feel like what drew me in, but it's, have you watched it? Um, I've watched a lot on TikTok, and we've seen the first episode fully. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's hysterical. So the premise is that it's sort of like a mockumentary office style, but with, jury duty so it's all of these jurors but everybody is an actor except for one person who is just like a normal human being and so 
The trial is insane. The other jurors are wild. Like all of the stuff that keeps happening is just deranged. And then, and you're watching all of these like actors sort of improv their way through these scenes, which is really funny. But then you're also watching this one like actual normal human have to be like, what is going on? But like going with it. And the best part of the show, which is like pure genius, is that they cast James Marsden to play a version of himself in the jury. So like all of the rest of the jurors are like supposedly normal people. And then James Marsden is playing like a psychotic version of himself that keeps trying to get out of jury duty and is trying to get this role. And so he's like auditioning for things and reading scripts and just like saying the wildest stuff. Oh my gosh. I've like every episode I laugh out loud um, I think it's so funny and so clever, and I'm already sad that they probably won't be able to do a second season because everybody's <laughs> gonna know what's up. But yeah, yeah, uh, it's so funny, and I feel like it's it's like growing a cult following because I keep yes. seeing people post about it. It was all over TikTok, like that's what drew me in because I kept seeing like TikTok, and I also saw like interviews of James Marsden talking about it, and he seems like so nice like he was doing this podcast where he was saying like it was really important to me that it wasn't just a joke about the guy who doesn't know anything like it wasn't just making fun of him and that when the time came it wasn't like we all just ghosted him and he was like that whole two-week project was a lie and so he's like yeah so we still have like a group chat and I just went and got drinks with him the other day like I wanted him to know that even if we had different names different careers or whatever we were all the same people and those relationships are still real and I was like oh so soft <laughs> I really like James Marsden I think yes. like he is low-key great in so many things and like I love him in Dead to Me where mm-hmm. he's put where he plays like twins or yes, he's he great like yeah 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 um so he's great in that I mean even like Hairspray oh, and yeah, I, I think he's so fun in the Sonic movies um <laughs> yeah I'm just like James Marsden great and the fact that he like I as someone who's done improv like mm. Once you sort of get into a character, it is sort of kind of easy to stay in it. But to be in a character for like two weeks and the way that they're filming this show, it's it's like a real event, you know, like you're not going back and doing reshoots or whatever. So if the stuff you say, like, isn't funny, like, well, that's what they've got to work with. And the fact that he's like so with it and in it and like has these great, you know, kind of like ad lib one liners and is just such a nightmare in so many ways is incredible (laughs) i i love every second okay i'll have to give it another like i have to the thing that throws me off is the commercials i just hate commercials yeah the commercials are annoying i will say that (laughs) they're like so long but i did like it and i think a lot of people call it like it reminds them of the office except real but also not (laughs) also i don't know how they got the main guy but he is so charming and lovely as well. Like there's this sequence in, I think maybe it's the second or third episode where there's this guy who the kind of joke is that he's like super into technology. And I think he calls himself like a A transhuman transhuman or something where it's like, he like sort of like likes to modify his body with different contraptions and stuff. And so 
the like that's just supposed to be a joke but the main guy who's the juror is like oh i watched like i invited him over to my room and we watched a bug's life because a bug's (laughs) life is all about you know an aunt who has all of these contraptions and is very like interested in those things and is sort of like ostracized from society but then they everybody comes to realize at the end that he's actually like a good person and he's helpful <laughs> in all of these different ways. And I was just like, that is the sweetest thing I have yeah. thing I heard. Like <laughs> to see somebody who's sort of like struggling like that and be like, oh, like this movie will make like you feel good about yourself and the fact yeah. that you're different. I was just like, oh my gosh. Cause you could have gotten all kinds of people in that scenario. Yeah. And to get someone who's just seems so like charming and sweet is <laughs> is fun well they cast it through like like a cast like a sort of craigslist type ad that's like because in california you can volunteer for jury duty so they put out an ad that was like oh we're going to be doing a documentary on jury duty like if you're interested apply now and so that's how they got like applicants and then they must have just picked him because he's the nicest you know mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but he's still like funny too yeah, and also yeah. some of like the the get like the bits that they play like one of the jury members um like falls and sort of like has an accident and gets medically evacuated that's fake and then they do these um like confessionals with the whole group and so they're all going like oh tell us your you know memories about this person and they're all giving like these these like very wonderful lovely memories and how oh he made all of us these like paper cranes and everything <laughs> and then and then the guy who's not an actor is like he, he never said anything nice to me yeah, i'm the only person here he didn't make a crane for like what's going on <laughs> it's, it's just so clever and so well thought out like i yeah it's great everybody should watch it it's the best thing on tv Perfect. that in succession i guess well, I mean, on the opposite end of reality TV, um, Love is Blind, season four. <laughs> Didn't we talk about this? No. I mean, I might have talked about it while it was happening, but it just ended, okay? Okay. Well, the reunion thing, did we not talk about that? Or I think maybe we texted about it. Oh, okay. But yeah, they did the live reunion and it was a huge mess. You're right. We did talk about that. But I wanted to talk about what happened after because honestly, season four, I liked a lot more than season two and three. And I can't believe that it's been on for four years. I feel like well, it just started. Two seasons came out in like a single year. So okay. it's been like three years because the first one aired in 2020. And so yeah, I remember like four. the pandemicness of it. Yeah. <laughs> This one, you know, honestly, the people, whatever. I feel like the relationships we got out of this one, two of them seem legit. The third one is like, mm, we'll see how long that lasts. And most of the people were nicer and like less horrifically toxic than the previous two seasons. But what I really wanted to break down is that after this reunion and all the like madness with that, this like expose came out. Um, that was talking about how horrifically bad it is to film. And like they quote unquote psychologically torture the contestants, not just like your usual bread and butter of like, you know, knowing your weaknesses and kind of pushing them for better reactions or more emotional punches or whatever. Um, There's like they 
previous cast members have said that there's a lack of food and that there's not water on the pod set because the pods are all filmed in that like warehouse style. Like, you know, you have the girls on one side, the boys on the other. And it's not actually like working sinks or whatever because it turns out you don't even sleep there. You they used to during the first season try to put them up in like RVs, like fifteen people to a to an RV. But there were cockroaches and stuff, so the cast Wait, was in like an RV. Yes, uh, like they in put a little trailer. People in like in like, one RV. Yes, that's what they were trying during the first season. But it got so bad that the that with the cockroaches that they finally were like, "Fine, we'll put you in hotels." But then they had PAs like guarding them to prevent like anyone from leaving during the like nights or whatever. They're filming like you know, 20 hour days. And so they are shepherded back to the hotel to sleep for these very short times. And that's why everyone's always falling asleep on the show. They don't ever see the sunlight because they're in this warehouse doing their dates and they don't know like what day or time it is. It's not funny, but it's absolutely wild that in 2020 through 2023 that this production company has been getting away with this Um, because it even gets worse where it's like they're constantly sending alcohol to the contestants where if someone's like please give me water they'll bring water but they'll also bring like a cocktail or whatever or it's just they're constantly trying to get them drunk and then on top of it there during season two there was like a really bad relationship and everyone was like why are they going through this like why are they doing this blah 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 and it turns out that there's a contract like there's there's a thing in the contract that stipulates that they could be charged up to $50,000 if they leave the show early. And so it's like they're barely making money doing the show. They get $1,000 a week. But then if they try to leave without getting approval or with, you know, they the producers can decide at their discretion to charge them $50,000 if they decide to not go to the altar or if they decide to leave after an engagement or whatever. So they're basically held hostage because, you know, a lot of these people are just working your average jobs. Like they're not millionaires by any means. So it's like a $50,000 debt looming over you is pretty gnarly. (laughs) Well, that's the thing with all reality television because there's not like union contracts for it. For reality TV show contestants, which is part of the reason why they do those, because those shows can be so cheap that way. I know. Um, and you have these people who are desperate to be famous, so they'll put up sort of with anything, and they don't have a lot of repercussions to complain about stuff. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Ugh. So not great. Um, makes you feel bad about some things. And like, especially this season, there was a couple people where you're like, they clearly hate each other, but like, why are they still doing this? And, like, anyway, it's just this, like, obviously everyone's like, oh, you know what you sign up for. But I think there are layers to it where it's like, yikes, it gets pretty dicey. And, like, the lack of control and autonomy you get when you get in some of these shows seems pretty sticky, um, both legally and emotionally. And so it does uh, does change my feelings about the show a little bit. But yeah, it's still it is watchable. hard when, like, you don't have – when there's not even like craft services and stuff and you're sort yeah. of like stuck someplace. Cause I think the nice thing about shows like drag race or the bachelor or whatever, is at least like you're on a set in a real right. place. So it's like, there is, you know, food and water and stuff 
around yeah if you need it need it um yeah yeah, in like a warehouse sound studio or whatever you're got (laughs) they were like fighting over like the last egg after a day of shooting like it's like damn pretty gnarly so uh, we'll see how that shakes out for love is blind season five etc but Hmm. not great well i think that's it for this episode um we will be back on thursday to discuss how to blow up a pipeline (laughs) um which is a movie that i saw a couple weeks ago i think and talked about briefly on the podcast maybe yeah um or at least I texted Shelby. But <laughs> it is now finally available for people to watch in places that aren't New York City press rooms. Yes. And we are going to chit-chat about it because there's not very much else going on. Although Super Mario Brothers did become the first billion-dollar movie this year. so I know. Maybe we should have covered that at some point, but alas. Well, if you want me to, I will. I offered that, and people made me watch freaking... Renfield. Renfield instead. So, yeah, me too, because I hadn't seen Renfield <laughs> and I have seen Super Mario. So, yeah, I guess our listeners just hate us. So. Hate us. <laughs> okay. Well, this was great. Thank you, Shelby. Um, I hope that you get some custom Taylor Swift uh, ensembles made dream. for your upcoming concerts. Thank you. I want to see full on elaborate things. Um, And yeah, we'll see all of you guys on Thursday. Bye.